0: This is Gulf Coast Life. I'm Mike Connivy. Thanks for joining us. The rate of uninsured children in Florida and across the country decreased during the COVID-19 pandemic. A new report from health policy experts at Georgetown University's Center for Children and Families finds that the national rate of uninsured children fell from 5.7 to 5.4 percent between 2019 and 2021. Although the percentage of uninsured children in Florida is significantly higher than the national average, the rate of uninsured kids in the Sunshine State fell at a comparable rate from 7.6 to 7.3 percent. Only three states in the U.S. saw their rates of uninsured children increase during that time period. This data comes as a surprise to many public health experts. Significant job losses during economic shutdowns that marked the beginning of the pandemic led many to believe that the numbers of uninsured children would continue to increase. While data in the report is certainly good news, its authors, warn these gains could be short-lived. That's because protections barring states from removing recipients from their Medicaid rolls could expire possibly as soon as April of next year. WGCU's John Davis recently spoke with Georgetown University Center for Children and Families co-founder and executive director Joan Alker. She's a research professor at Georgetown's McCourt School of Public Policy and lead author of this new report. Let's hear that conversation now.
1: Okay. And, um, you know, your organization has just put out this report uh, about rates of uninsured children during the beginning of the pandemic. And would it be fair to say it's, it's cautiously optimistic?
2: Yeah, that's right. You know, prior to the pandemic, uh, as you may remember, for the first time in many years, the number and rate of uninsured children had been going up. And in the early months of the pandemic, there were substantial job losses, and that led many to believe the uninsured rate would increase sharply. But this data showed that there was actually good news for children. Uh, the rate and number of uninsured children stabilized and even declined slightly from 2019 to 2021.
1: And before we get into, you know, what may be behind this, where is this data coming from?
2: The data is from the American Community Survey, which is one of the big surveys that the U.S. Census Bureau conducts every year. And they actually were not able to conduct it in 2020 due to the pandemic. The data was unreliable. So this is the first look at what happened during that pandemic period. Again, we looked at 2019
1: to 2021. Got it, got it. So, and and, and as you've expressed, You know, one would have expected or might have expected the rate of uninsured kids to actually go up as people were losing their jobs. What on earth accounts for this this decrease in the rate of uninsured kids?
2: Yeah, so exactly. Um, Why was there this reversal of fortune for children during a difficult period? So um, for children, especially Medicaid, really provided a backstop to coverage losses on the employer side that did happen early in the pandemic. But just as important, and really more importantly, uh, federal protections put in place as one of the first uh, COVID-19 relief packages, the Families First Act, ensured that states uh, could not disenroll uh, anybody from Medicaid during the COVID-19 public health emergency. So what happened essentially was that states have been given more money during the pandemic for their Medicaid programs. And in exchange for accepting those additional federal dollars, states agreed not to disenroll anybody from the program. Now, of course, uh, a family could raise their hand and say, we've moved, uh, we've, we have employer coverage, we don't want this anymore. But states cannot uh, otherwise disenroll children and families. Now, in sort of, quote, normal times, we see, especially in states like Florida, that children uh, all too often have what we call procedural losses. Procedural losses occur when eligible children fall off the program, really because of, I like to say, bureaucratic failure. Um, Their coverage isn't renewed due to administrative or paperwork barriers. And those kinds of procedural losses stopped, um, and they continue to be uh, in advance right now because the federally declared public health emergency is still in effect. So that is uh, really the main reason we've seen the number turnaround for children. Now, there are some uh, for children. Enrollment increases in the affordable marketplace due to enhanced subsidies and more outreach. Um, that's played a bigger role for adults and for children because for children, Medicaid and CHIP is really more the name of the game, but that certainly helped.
1: Gotcha. And just nationwide, uh, you know, when you're looking at it as a whole, we saw an improvement to 5.4 percent from 5.7 percent. So we're looking at you know just tenths of a percent. But I mean, how many how many kids does that represent roughly?
2: Yeah. So what we saw in uh, prior to the pandemic, when the number was going up, we saw an increase of almost uh, getting close to a million. Uninsured children, more uninsured children. Um, During the pandemic period, there was about 200,000 children that uh, gained coverage that had been uninsured. So we still haven't made up all of the losses that we saw during the Trump years, but the number is going in the right direction. And and actually, to be honest, we and other researchers believe there's a significant undercount of those with Medicaid in the data. So, the impact of these continuous coverage provis- provisions is likely underestimated. So, I think um, it seems small. Florida was right in line um, with a national change. Florida has a high rate of uninsured children, one of the highest rates in the country. Um, and during this period, they saw their uninsured rate decline from 7.6 to 7.3 percent. Um, but again, Florida's best performance was 2016. And that's when the nation itself had the lowest rate of uninsured children ever, thanks to the Affordable Care Act implementation. And Florida was down to 6.6. So Florida is aligning with the nation, but just at a higher level.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. And, and I, and I want to focus in a little more on Florida and maybe some other individual states in a moment, but just getting that broader timeline view What had been the trend before the Trump administration? Hadn't rates of uninsured children been declining for like decades ever since the creation of the CHIP program? yeah,
2: Yes, that's right. Um, Really, we had seen for many, many years, uh, the CHIP program was created in 1997. And so for a few decades there... Uh, Progress was being made to reduce the number of uninsured children in the country, and the lowest level of uninsured children was reached in 2016. And then uh, once the Trump administration came into office, the numbers started going in the wrong direction, and that was the case really until the pandemic started.
1: Understood, understood. Now, is there concern? Because from, from what I'm understanding from what you're saying, it's really this federal law that was brought on by the pandemic itself that is is largely responsible for this reduction in the rate of uninsured kids nationwide. Um, are you concerned about when that expires, you know, rates of uninsured kids going back up again? When is this law going to expire? Yes,
2: absolutely. I mean, this is is good news for children, the stabilization of the child uninsured rate has been a bright spot for children during the dark days of the pandemic. And that is welcome news, but unfortunately, it's very likely to be short-lived. In separate research, we have estimated that as many as 6.7 million eligible children will likely become uninsured for a period of time in states that are inattentive when the federal continuous coverage protection expires. Uh, That's a massive increase. You know, this report we're talking about today finds there were 4.1 million uninsured children in 2021. So that would more than double if uh, our projections are accurate. And to be honest, we thought our projections were kind of conservative. So we, children and families, (coughs) excuse me, children and families are facing A major, major event ahead. Uh, This is going to be a very heavy lift, even for states that have the best of intentions, to make sure that eligible children and families don't lose their Medicaid coverage. And we know from a lot of studies in the federal government uh, released a study this summer that the vast majority of children, millions of children projected to lose Medicaid after these federal protections expire, an estimated three out of four of those children will remain eligible. So this is not about um, children being on the program. And again, for a state like Florida that has not expanded Medicaid to other adults, uh, children are um, the majority of your Medicaid enrollees. And they're going to remain eligible, but they're going to fall through the cracks due to these uh, bureaucratic lapses, due to problems uh, going through the renewal process. So um, when is this going to happen? Well, that's the $64,000 question. And right now, the best guess is April of 2023. Um, We don't know for sure. That's our best guess. I do want to flag one other possibility. Throughout this period, with these continuous coverage protections, as I mentioned earlier, the states are receiving extra federal money to cover the costs of this increased Medicaid enrollment. And in fact, states have done very well with that money. They have uh, had a surplus. It's more than covered their costs. And, um, but if a state turns down that money, then they can start disenrolling uh, children and families from their program right away.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. Well, I mean, and I don't have to tell you, you know, Florida. When it comes to states that have not expanded Medicaid under the Affordable Care Act, Florida has the most number of enrollees in any other state. That's kids and adults. So with state lawmakers here in Florida, they're going into a special session this week. Healthcare isn't on the docket for that, but they're already filing bills for their regular session in 2023. What would you want them to maybe take from this report in terms of what kind of legislation they might consider?
2: Well, I think the key issue in the year ahead, assuming that uh, the federal public health emergency ends or it's possible that the state may decide to withdraw early, there has to be a real commitment from state leaders, from the governor and state legislators, that no child in Florida is going to lose coverage inappropriately. There is a real risk here that Florida, which already has a very high rate of uninsured children, is gonna see that rate go up sharply. And there's no reason for that if the state does a good job. And by doing a good job, that means the state has to take their time. They have to make sure that there are adequate resources in call centers, in community groups, with trusted messengers to help families get through this renewal process and if they see that a lot of kids and families are losing coverage inappropriately, they should press the pause button. So that's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see the governor and uh, legislative leaders commit to uh, the fact that, or establish that no child in Florida will go uninsured who remains eligible for Medicaid, because that's the vast majority of children are going to remain eligible for Medicaid or for Florida's Healthy Kids program, and that's another wrinkle. Florida has a very complex public coverage system. We, uh, in our report earlier this year, identified six states that have five red flags. (laughs) That means children are most at risk in these states, and Florida was one of those six states. So, there's just a lot of hurdles and barriers here to make this process go well, And um, that's what state leaders need to commit to, simplifying that process and protecting children along the way.
1: So if I'm understanding correctly, this isn't even an issue of funding. The funding's there. It's coming from the federal government. It's just how individual states decide to manage and roll out these
2: programs. Right. No, states have had extra funding Uh, throughout the pandemic. And in the case of Florida, Florida has actually made a huge amount of money, over $2 billion in excess of what the federal government has provided to cover these higher rates of enrollment. But that money will be tapered down. And once the money is tapered down, the state will go back to the regular Medicaid matching rate that they receive for children. And it's the transitional process. The state is going to have to renew everybody on their Medicaid program, and there's over 5 million people on Ford's Medicaid program, and half of those are children. Children are by far the single largest group. Um, And they're going to have to essentially check their coverage. So that's really the task that lies ahead for the state agencies. It's a very difficult task for any state. States are understaffed. But a state has to go into this with the very best of intentions to ensure that no uh, children become uninsured as a consequence of this process.
1: Understood. And, you know, looking outside of Florida a little bit, um, your report notes that there were only three states that were going in the wrong direction in terms of actually the number of children without coverage increasing. Idaho was the worst.
2: What's going on in Idaho? Yeah, that's a great question, and we've been talking to folks in Idaho to try to figure that out. Um, One thing I will say is that Idaho has ranks fiftieth in the country for their Medicaid eligibility rate. So families with relatively low incomes still have too much money for the child to qualify for Idaho. Idaho's uh, income eligibility is lower, for example, than Florida's, which isn't really super high either. But Idaho's really last in the country in terms of Medicaid eligibility. So they didn't benefit as much probably from these Medicaid continuous coverage protections um, because they have such low eligibility to begin with.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, Is there a parallel there with Florida in terms of, you know, just the eligibility requirements being, for lack of a better word, stingy compared to what they are in other states?
2: Yes, absolutely. Florida is considerably below the national average, which is about two and a half times the poverty level eligibility for children. And uh, so Florida uh, absolutely could improve the situation. As we talked about, Florida has a very high uninsured rate uh, period, and that's been true for many, many years. Uh, Florida ranks behind, for example, its neighbors in Alabama uh, in Louisiana, who have done significantly better for children um, so uh so this has been an ongoing problem for Florida, and there are, are lots of reasons why we think Florida is unfortunately positioned to go backwards even further than other states Florida uh, doesn 't have a very modernized eligibility systems. there are some states that have uh, much more electronic renewal processes in place. And that's the kind of system that's really going to help families out. Um, but Florida is, is behind the pack there in terms of modernizing its eligibility system. Florida has this complex structure with healthy kids. Sometimes children get lost on the way from going to Medicaid to healthy kids. And there are premiums that Florida charges to relatively low-income families to get that healthy kids coverage. So we know that's a barrier, too. So there are lots of reasons to be concerned that children in Florida who already have a high uninsured rate um, may see that get far, far worse as this process unfolds.
1: Okay. And, and, you know, going to the opposite end of the spectrum from Idaho, um, your report finds Oklahoma saw the largest improvements. Um, Was there something specific that, you know, officials in Oklahoma were doing or did they just have the most room to improve? What do you think was happening there?
2: Yeah, great question. So they certainly had room to improve because they have a very high uninsured rate as well but we do believe that Oklahoma led the country with the largest decline in their uninsured rate. They went from 8.6 to 7.4%. That's likely a result of what we call a welcome mat effect because the voters in Oklahoma expanded Medicaid to parents and other adults. It was on the ballot in 2020. um, And that was rolled into effect in 2021. And the state to their credit did a really good job of ramping up enrollment quickly, even though they had a post expansion. Once the voters passed it on the ballot, they really got it going quickly. And there's a lot of research to show that when parents are covered, their children are more likely to be covered as well. That child was probably already eligible for Medicaid, but the parent wasn't aware. But when there's a new coverage opportunity for parents in Medicaid expansion, the whole family gets covered. So, We definitely saw what we call a welcome mat effect there because of that ballot initiative to cover uh, parents and other adults.
1: And Joan, this is kind of a, a big, broad question here, but let's say I'm somebody who I just don't have kids or my kids are insured. Why should I care about this?
2: Right. So first off, if you're somebody that works in a job that doesn't provide affordable coverage and you're um, really, it's very expensive to get it on the private market. We have a lot of low wage workers in Florida and elsewhere. Folks who are working in the service sector, landscaping, hospitality, they just don't get coverage on the job and that's where uh, Medicaid expansion would help Florida. But I think the issue we're really focusing on here today which is about the stabilization of the child uninsured rate and the fact that this is welcome news, but it may be short lived. I think it's important to our country as a whole. You know, we have a lot of research showing that when children have Medicaid when they're growing up, they are healthier as adults. They actually pay more in taxes and use fewer benefits. They have better educational outcomes. There's a whole host of research that shows why this is so important for children to have access to coverage. So as a society, it's very uh, penny wise and pound foolish not to make sure that children are covered. It's not expensive to cover children. Fortunately, most of them are very healthy. But as any parent knows, you're often going to the doctor when the child gets a respiratory virus or something, which is happening a lot these days. Child breaks a wrist on the soccer field, needs stitches. These kinds of things can bankrupt families. So there are many short-term consequences of having uninsured children. But in the long term, our society is going to be much stronger if we invest just a little bit in these kids and make sure they can grow up to be healthy, productive adults.
0: That was WGCU's John Davis talking to the co-founder and executive director of Georgetown University Center for Children and Families, Joan Auker, about a report she was the lead author on that showed that the rates of uninsured children in Florida and around the country decreased during the pandemic. You can find a link with findings and recommendations of the complete report from the Nonpartisan Policy and Research Center on our website, wgcunews.org. If you missed any of today's show, you can always hear episodes in there entirety on our website or wherever you find your podcasts our show today was produced by john davis our director today is richard Chinqui. our social media coordinator is tara calligan for now thank you for listening i'm mike canary this is wgcu fm fort myers 90.1 wmko marco island 91.7 fm npr for southwest florida